This is part two of our COVID-19 special. In part two, we continue to hear from different women about their own experiences and perspectives on the lockdown and coronavirus. If it's anything that the journey of women in labor taught us, it was that Indian women were just finding their footing in the workspace. Now, coronavirus and the lockdown has very essentially swept the rug out from under their feet. And I know every woman listening to this has suddenly went, wait, what, sweeping? A rug? More work? Damn it! We wanted to capture these stories and experiences for you as a time capsule for this uncertain moment in history. But we also wanted to provide you, our listeners, and all the women out there in the workforce a love letter from the Women in Labour team. We may see difficulties, but we also see positives. We may see things that will scare us, but we will also see things that will infuse hope in us. I hope in these stories, you hear not only the voices of our guests, but also your own voices. And in fact, we also have a section where we asked you to contribute your experiences over the last two months, and we've included those as well. We also wanted to thank our guests in this episode. It was recorded remotely, so everyone pitched in to produce and record their own interviews from home. As they say, let's get to work. Part 2. So many of us haven't spent this much time with ourselves and the people we've been in lockdown with. Ever. Really. It's like being in a big boss house, but nobody's watching and there's no prize money at the end. Having said that, this has exposed things we need to work on and vulnerabilities that already existed. This is often exacerbated given the amount of unpaid care work women have to do, including caring for others before they care for themselves. Kripi Malvia is a psychologist. She's also the co-founder of the Tattva Center. In this segment, Kripi spoke with us about some of the pressures on mental health and what we can try to do to work with this time rather than try to hide from it. Christina spoke to Krippi to learn more. This period in the lockdown has been challenging for everyone. I think all of us, uh, no matter where you sit, have been struggling with mental health issues in some way. What are some of the primary challenges you see women facing during this time? Um, I would like to start off with the, the fact that, uh, so I'm guessing women, I'm going to use women as a term for all non-men at this point. <laughs> okay. um, so we'll start off with the whole world. It starts to become, of course, a gendered issue because outside of the privileges of being male, you then are left with at least cis women who still do the, if we take out uh, Vimixen, they still do the majority of the emotional labor and in the Indian context, the physical labor too of all of their households and sometimes extended families. Any sense of that few hours that they would get outside of their children or their husbands or their in-laws has now been taken from them. And I think that, must, that, that has caused a lot of distress, but it's again internalized. Now I have hyper-performing uh, people on social media, which is the only form of social space you have, which is something that affected me too. Because now I'm seeing, uh, since the lockdown, you know, everybody's putting themselves out there. Mental health has become very performative. It's all about your 10 steps to do this and your five steps to do that. And it's all constantly about who you know and how much uh, content you're creating. And uh, you That's know, a really I, interesting <laughs> thought that mental health has become performative. Yeah, very much so. So I, what I'm wondering is then, is our turning to social media during this time, is that doing more harm than good for our mental health? I think it's like anything. As a harm reductionist, I don't think that anything is inherently harmful. I think it depends on our engagement with it. Um, I do, f I do think that it's really, we ha at the same time, I feel like championing people for the best that they're doing. And if that means that they're surviving through social media, then that's what they're doing. Um, and that's what they need to do because everything else has been stripped from them. But I do think that if it is something that is informing so much of our waking hours or time or energy or thoughts, 
then it's like any other addiction. Um, it's just occupying maybe some of the feelings of anxiety, dread, that we probably need to feel for some period of time and seek out support if it feels overwhelming. I do think we need to collectively experience it, Christine. That's what I did want to say today, is that I, th- this, this, that's why I call it performative, because I think there's a lot of productivity performance around I'm baking this and I'm doing this, you know, doing this course and I'm, and I'm like, but this is not a retreat or a residency. The most basic element of that is missing, which is that that would have been a choice. Um, you, you know, you take the choice element out and it doesn't matter how beautiful your cage is, it's still a cage. Um, and I think we, we need to acknowledge that we're in a collective trauma with, of, of not only the virus itself and the fear of it and the uncertainty of it, but also that we do not know how this unfolds. Um, what are some of the symptoms we should be looking out for in ourselves? I'm thinking of, you know, folks who are listening right now. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, if we are all in a kind of collective denial and we think mm. we're doing fine. Um, <laughs> uh, what are some of the symptoms we should look out for just to understand what's going on with inside and that maybe we need to be a little more introspective about this time? I think if we are becoming um, coming face to face with some of the things that we knew we needed to deal with, whether that's our relationships with the people closest to us or even people further away, I think it tells us that it's time to time to spend time on that, trying to pay attention to that within good boundaries. Maybe you can't maybe you can't do that right away, the healing process, but to acknowledge it, to give it a timeline and be like, this is something that is not going to just wish it go away. Um, I can't just run away from it the moment things open because they're not going to just disappear, a lot of those things, especially if it's within ourselves. Um, then we should try to give that that time. One theme we've discussed in the podcast is the theme of isolation um, because women, because of the roles they play in society, taking care of unpaid care work at home, you even feel like you're surrounded by family if you have family around. Um, but you're still dealing with personal isolation and mental isolation. What are what are some strategies to help think about that and confront it? You know, it's not the people around us. It's not just having people that makes us feel less lonely. It's not feeling understood or our experience not being felt by others that makes us feel lonely. Um, the queer community space is actually something that we can all learn from because it's very it's always been based on showing up for one another and and questioning boundaries. Um, you know, they, 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 they're based out of a sense of survival. We've had to break down these chains of thought and had to come to the basic, the actual nature of community and care for one another. So in some sense, they probably have that. And the ones who don't have that, I'm really scared of for too. Uh, and in that sense, that's why we cannot just shut down the idea of social media because at least there is that sense of network with one another. But as far as that loneliness thing goes, is that I think it would be really good to keep trying to express it and and somehow sort of develop a sense of documentation maybe. So there is a sense of accountability maybe to your page or to whatever form, maybe a video you make or an audio recording you do wherein you document how you're experiencing everything with that sense in your mind that when things open up, you're going to do something with it or you're going to share it in person with someone you care about a lot. Um, and, or, and or have an accountable partner or a friend on the other end of call who's doing the same thing so you feel like they're listening to you and you're listening to them. So first, that's so interesting what you said about what we can learn from the queer community, which is because they, as individuals, have needed to build a network of support that doesn't exist in that, you know, that natural natal family structure that you're born into always, or that school that you have been attended to, that you really have to show up in an authentic way for one another and, and check in. And one thing that we can do as individuals is either if we feel more comfortable on our own, record like a voice memo, you know, to document what we're undergoing or write it down or find that one person we can be really authentic with. 
and and share what we're going through. Many listener responses addressed mental health and wellness. As this time became unstructured and pressured, here are a few of the responses you shared. One of the biggest things that this COVID-19 pandemic has made me realize is the undue pressure we put on ourselves to be productive. And to this end, it also highlights the need and the importance of workplaces that actually have open conversations about mental health, about anxiety because that's something that is genuine and it's real my personal experience as a working professional in the middle of this pandemic has been anxiety inducing to say the least um so obviously since everybody is working from home right now the lines are constantly blurring there's no semblance of work hours there's no concept of weekends anymore and um, no respect for boundaries essentially you know to put it in a nutshell as an employee of a pharmaceutical company i have faced a lot of fears coming in In this crisis situation what has happened with me is that i have to step out of my safe place with an inbuilt fear of getting infected i was hoping for a salary increment this year and see what i face is a fear of pay cut overall well-being is impacted as well with respect to the current situation and the uncertainties and anxieties around the future add to that the financial strain through this phase and yeah that's difficult Some of the most heart-wrenching and important stories in the last few months have been of those that have been on the move. Millions of people have been displaced as a result of the lockdown. While men account for more than 80% of migrant workers in India, migration impacts women in so many ways. From women who had migrated themselves to those whose husbands returned home just before the lockdown. In this next segment, we hear from women in rural Rajasthan about their experiences. We want to give a special thanks to Shramasarthi and the Ajivika Bureau for helping us reach these communities and include their voices in the podcast. Roti banadi. Ha? Zyada ye do roti zyada banadi padani. Ha? Aur the kai. Ye kahani Rajasthan ke Rajsamand zile ke gaon ki pravasi parivar ki kahani hai. Isme Devli bhai लॉकडाउन से हुए अपने जीवन पर पड़ रहे प्रभाव के बारे में बताती हैं वो कहती हैं कि उनके परिवार में आठ लोग हैं जिसमें उनके चार बच्चे सास ससुर और वो अपने पति के साथ रहती हैं उनके पति जामनगर में हार्डवेयर का काम करते हैं जो वो पिछले पंद्रह सालों से कर रहे हैं सामान्य दिनों में वो छः महीने में घर आते हैं या कोई बड़ी समस्या होने पर घर आते हैं वो कहती हैं कि शुरुआत में जब उनके पति प्रवास पर गए थे तो उन्हें अच्छा नहीं लगता था वो बताती हैं कि परिवार से अलग होना किसी को अच्छा नहीं लगता लेकिन मजबूरी में काम करने के लिए जाना पड़ता है उनके जाने पर वो कहती हैं कि एक व्यक्ति घर में कम होता है तो उसका काम कम रहता है लेकिन उसके पीछे से उनके पति की सारी जिम्मेदारियां देवलीबाई ही उठाती आई हैं वो कहती हैं कि हम खेत का काम भी करते थे नरेगा का काम भी करते हैं और बाकी सामाजिक कार्य जैसे मेहमान जाना या शादी ब्याह में जाना वो भी उनकी ही जिम्मेदारी पड़ गई थी उनके पति जब घर पर होते हैं तो ये काम उनकी जिम्मेदारी होती है वो आगे बताती हैं कि जब से लॉकडाउन हुआ है उनके पति घर आए हैं और लेकिन वो किसी भी काम में हाथ नहीं बटा रहे बटा रहे हैं घर पर ही बैठे हैं वो हैं तो थोड़ा काम ज़्यादा हो गया है वो बताती हैं कि अभी दो रोटियां ज़्यादा बनानी पड़ती हैं पानी ज़्यादा लाना पड़ता है फैसले की बात को लेकर देवलीबाई कहती हैं कि जब उनके पति बाहर रहते हैं तो कोई भी बड़ा निर्णय देवलीबाई अकेले नहीं ले सकती हैं अगर घर में कोई चीज़ खरीदनी या बेचनी होती है तो उसके लिए देवलीबाई को अपने पति से फ़ोन पर बात करनी पड़ती है अगर वो कहते हैं तभी वो काम होता है लॉकडाउन के चलते उनके घर में कोई भी बड़ी लड़ाई नहीं हुई है वो कहती हैं कि उनके पति बाहर मतलब जामनगर में रहते हैं तो बेहतर रहता है क्योंकि घर में थोड़े पैसे आते रहते हैं इससे बच्चों की पढ़ाई उनके कपड़े खाने पीने की चीज़ें खरीदना थोड़ा आसान होता है वो घर उनके पति घर रहेंगे तो काम कैसे चलेगा वो कहते हैं कि मेरे नरेगा से तो नहीं हो पाएगा सारा खर्चा पूरा वो आगे बताती हैं कि उनके पति घर पर आ गए हैं तो उन्हें अच्छा लग रहा है उन्हें चिंता थी कि अगर वो शहर में फंस जाते तो खाने पीने की दिक्कत आती यहाँ जो भी खाना है गांव में अगर कम भी है तो वो सब मिल बाँट के खा सकते हैं फोर वेमेन लाइक देवली बाई 
While they are glad to have the men in their family at home, the income sent back prior to the lockdown helped run their houses. Next, Ramli Bai shared her experience about this vital financial loss for her family and her increased workload at home during the lockdown. Thodi thangrai maha to bande re thodo apa kodi payare gabo theatro har baat horo ro. यह कहानी राजस्थान के उदयपुर जिले के बरवाड़ा क्षेत्र की कहानी है इसमें रमलीबाई लॉकडाउन से हुए उनके जीवन में आए बदलाव के बारे में बताती हैं वो कहती हैं कि उनके घर में छः लोग हैं और उनका पति और बेटा सूरत में साड़ी कटिंग का काम करते हैं सामान्य दिनों में वह पूरे साल वहाँ पर काम करते हैं और चार महीने के अंतराल में गांव में वापस आते हैं जिसमें से पंद्रह बीस दिन आराम कर कर वो वापस शहर की ओर जाते हैं वो बताती हैं कि उनका पति और बेटा लॉकडाउन अनाउंस होने के तुरंत बाद ही बस पकड़कर वापस गांव में आ गए थे उन्हें रास्ते में पैदल नहीं चलना पड़ा वो दो महीने से घर पर ही हैं ऐसे में रमलीबाई का घर की जिम्मेदारियां और भी बढ़ गई हैं अब उन्हें खेती का काम भी करना पड़ता है और दूसरों के खेत पर मजदूरी करने के लिए भी जाना पड़ता है वो कहती हैं कि घर के काम जैसे रोटी बनाना कपड़े धोना गोबर निकालना भैंस को चराना इसके अलावा बाकी की साफ़ सफाई सब उनकी ही जिम्मेदारी हो गई है अभी हाल ही में उनका पति गाँव में बन रहे एक सामुदायिक कुएँ पर काम कर रहा है जिसमें बाकी पुरुष मजदूर भी काम कर रहे हैं इस काम का पैसा उन्हें दिन की मजदूरी के हिसाब से मिल रहा है रमलीबाई कहती हैं कि उन्हें इस समय में कुछ भी अच्छा नहीं लग रहा है काफ़ी तकलीफ़ है घर में पैसा ना होने के कारण घर में चाय शक्कर और खाना लाने के पैसे नहीं हैं वो कहती हैं कि जब उनका पति बाहर रहता है तो अच्छा रहता है घर में थोड़ा पैसा आता है और उस पैसे से वो अपना खाना और कपड़े खरीद सकते हैं उसके बिना काफ़ी तकलीफ़ हो रही है वो कहती है कि गांव में ऐसा कोई रोज़गार करने का जरिया नहीं है जिससे वो अपना घर चला सके वो कहती हैं कि उन्हें ज़्यादा आसान लगता है जब उनका पति बाहर रहता है वो चीज़ों से थोड़ा फ्री महसूस करती हैं और घर में पैसा भी आता है एक बड़ी बात जिससे उन्हें बहुत गुस्सा आता है वो यह है कि उनका पति घर के किसी भी काम में हाथ नहीं बटाता है वो कहती हैं कि वो यहाँ पर रहकर कुछ काम नहीं करता है बाहर रहता है तो अच्छा लगता है Census data suggests that the number of Indian women migrating for labor is rising rapidly. In this next story, we hear from Mirki Bai. She joined her husband for work in Junagadh and then after a year had to unexpectedly return home to Udaipur during the lockdown. Mare nidheroni garwala pati. Ha ha. Ve hai ye kahani Udaipur jile ke गोगुंदा ब्लॉक की कहानी है इसमें मिर्कीबाई लॉकडाउन से हुए उनके जीवन और काम पर आए प्रभाव के बारे में बताती हैं वो कहते हैं कि उनके पति और वो जूनागढ़ में रसोई का काम करते हैं उनके पति ये काम पिछले 10 साल से कर रहे हैं और मिर्कीबाई पिछले 12 महीने से उनके साथ इस काम के लिए जाती हैं वो दोनों कैंटीन में रोटी बनाने का काम करते हैं और वहीं पर रहते हैं उनका बच्चा भी उनके साथ ही रहता है वो बताते हैं कि लॉकडाउन के एक महीने के बाद वो दोनों वापस घर पर आए उनके कैंटीन मालिक ने उनके खाने पीने और गाड़ी का इंतज़ाम कराया जिसका कुल सात हज़ार रुपये उन्होंने उन दोनों को दिया मिर्चीबाई के घर से उनके दो छोटे देवर भी काम पर जाते हैं वो दोनों मोरबी और एमपी में काम करते हैं लॉकडाउन के होने के बाद वो दोनों घर नहीं आ पाए सिर्फ मिर्की बाई का परिवार ही घर पर आ पाया मिर्की बाई बताती हैं कि जब उनके पति बाहर रहते हैं तो वो पैसा घर भेजते रहते हैं लेकिन उस पैसे को खर्च कहाँ करना है ये फैसला वो खुद ही लेती हैं वो अपने पति से फ़ोन पर पूछती नहीं है कि वो पैसे को कहाँ खर्च करना है Dr. Ritu Devan is the Vice President of the Indian Society of Labour Economics. She was also our guest on episode five. Currently, she's working on the front lines of the migration crisis to gather and distribute supplies. In episode five, we had spoken to her about how unpaid care work inhibits women from participating in the workforce. Recently, Christina and I connected with Dr. Devan to hear more. How have you been spending the lockdown time? What have you been doing in your days? The whole day is. Um, uh organizing and doing uh, migrant relief work so who needs trying to raise the resources for it trying to get it delivered asking people to contribute money time to volunteer 
and asking people i won't say begging people i just ring up and ask for the world so then maybe one gets a little tiny space at some point of uh, time so which is uh, you know okay you ask for 100 you'll get two but at least you've got two i tell you you know let's not use the term social distancing we are already so distant socially in terms of communities in terms of gender in terms of caste so physical distancing is generally what i uh, use it's not social uh, distancing at all ji and you know i mean from one of the uh, sort of the primary conversation that i'm so grateful has come up in the lockdown has been um the conversation about unpaid work that women are doing at home and now that you know women are now working from home as well as schooling their kids as well as doing this incredible amount of unpaid labor um how do you see these patterns and these trends uh through the lockdown and then post the lockdown in terms of just unpaid labor for women so unpaid work has certainly increased and some people say that ha now there's more appreciation for what a woman does in the house but what does that mean because you know it's very nice to say oh how good you are and how wonderful it is but the situation is uh, you know maybe the appreciation means 1% but it also means because you're not able to cook because things are closed you can't get you know rations you can't afford what you eat regularly so then in fact there have been several killings of g- women by their husbands killing of daughters just today because they're not able to provide the mutton or you know peas or whatever they wanted to eat and the huge amount of domestic violence i think that is a international phenomena one really uh, talks about because particularly when you're cramped into small places it cuts through of course classes that is one component the second component and that's i mean things which you also raise is the whole issue of employment you know the the work participation rate of women short run median run and what the implications it has down the line for the several few years uh, which are there for men very much so for women even more so. you know to have a lockdown with 4 hours notice is is so similar and i'm so glad that you raised that issue again is very similar to the issue of demonetization with 4 hours notice okay so that 8 o'clock to 12 o'clock time but 4 hours and then you're told stay home but these people are not home your 400 million people that's one third more than one third of your population is not home and a significant number don't even have a home what happened in demonetization was a reverse migration and that's exactly what is happening now is a reverse migration when demonetization hit it disproportionately impacted women they lost a huge amount of jobs more jobs than men lost from our understanding not only jobs nutrition education health yeah that also very very important because of they couldn't afford the fees is that now they can't afford the fees because they don't have income so the first already to be taken out are the girls from the schools they're not going to be sent back so it's not only a impact today it's an impact of what's going to happen for the next 2 3 generations of uh, girls who are not going to be educated what 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 are we looking at in the short term um for um india's and and maybe across economic spectrum not only for the migrant population but also for um you know the the ones who are being squeezed at the top as well which is you know people like you and i who um are very very privileged and you know financially well off and are being asked to give of our salaries um what does this mean in the in the short term for this this labor market for women and and also for the long term if you can now your demand for employment has collapsed okay so the amount of unemployment has gone up about 30% of your workforce is unemployed today and that number is only going to increase maybe 10% will get employment again maybe in another month or two or three or whenever the lockdown is i don't know why it's lockdown is lock up actually you know i've never understood the word lockdown your employment when you struggle for those few jobs women are going to be left out 
again. So your uh, uh, female work participation rate, which had fallen so dramatically in the last 10 years, is going to fall even more dramatically. Is there something we can be optimistic about? One thing I think which it is not, which is good in a way, is that they are not going to be, as far as I can see from my experience at the ground level, there's not going to be such a communal divide as there was earlier. Because the way the minority communities have come out, you know, today's Eid, people are not celebrating Eid, Muslim community. They are, instead of having their iftar and their parties, they are going and feeding biryani and ki to the slums. And I, I think this is something which is, which is for me the only bright spark, which is, I hope. Very few things exemplify the human need for congregation and recreation more than sports. Because if you really think about it, it's a bunch of people that get together to go watch another bunch of people do something with a net or a ball or a stick. Then they can come back home and tell another bunch of people what that other bunch of people did. Sports too has taken a pause during the times of coronavirus. Award-winning sports journalist and cricket presenter Mayanti Langar was a guest on episode 2 of our series. Mayanti spoke about how the IPL has opened up so many new jobs for women as producers and behind the camera in addition to women we see in the front. I checked back in with Mayanti to understand how the lockdown has impacted the rise of women in sports broadcasting. Okay, so my first question is, where were you when the lockdown started? Uh, I was in the middle of a series. I was doing the India-South Africa series and I was in Dharamshala. And uh, we started just hearing, you know, it really started building, I guess, uh, that fear. And uh, so halfway through the series, literally after the first game, they called off the series. So from Dharanshala, we had gone to Delhi. The teams had already gone to the next location. And they said, look, series called off. So um, that gave us a bit of an indication that something bigger might just come. Because I was in Delhi and my husband at that time was in Nagaland. He was in Dimapur. And we both decided that, you know, let's just go back to Bangalore. Because anything could happen at this stage. I come from an army background. <laughs> so you're kind of, you know, your instincts are on up. And so we were fortunately, both of us were in Bangalore when the lockdown was uh, announced. So both of us were together, which was a great thing. Because had either one of us been stuck in a different place, it would have been tremendously difficult, as it has been for a lot of families. I think the one really good thing about uh, both Stuart and myself was that we pretty much maintained our routine throughout. We made sure that that routine didn't leave us because, Aditi, that's all we had. So, you know, you get up in the morning and you you don't have help we never had help so all that cooking cleaning and all is just the two of us managing those duties so it really gave you a routine you know mayanti out of all the interviews that we did you were one of the most positive and hopeful about the role of women in the workforce and women in sports broadcasting whether it's behind the camera or in front of it now as the lockdown lifts in whatever installments that it does what do you think it'll mean for how teams, work teams in sports broadcasting will be comprised? So again, social distancing and not exposing people has to be the key. And that, therein lies the challenge uh, for sports and especially for cricket. And, you know, a whole IPL has come and gone in this period, yeah. in this lockdown period. Star Sports had big plans, of course, this time. And you started regionals, you hired so many more people. There were so many girls that were hired this time around to be faces at uh, being in front of the camera. And, um, you know, that will, if sport resumes at the moment, let's say, for example, we, the Star Sports has already kind of started doing two shows, one based on cricket and one based on football. You know, on Zoom, it's everyone sits at home and just has conversations like you and I are doing. You only need one person for that, Aditi. You know, yeah. so what happens to the rest? And um, that's that is going to be the challenge, because at the moment, you know, you wouldn't if there's no visibility and uh, there is no need to be in stadiums, um, then you're not really going to need that many people. You're going to be able to do it the basic way that you're able to do it right now. And so it was while something like the IPL was great, because I feel that over the years, it's given so many opportunities to women in front of the camera and behind the camera. 
there are a lot yeah. of women or my colleagues or my friends i know who are so excited for this season who now don't know what happens next because we don't know what is happening with indian cricket so even if live sport resumes as we imagine it might just resume with uh, empty stadiums and it might just be direct to your televisions or a streaming service and uh, for the safety of let's say the broadcasters the host will most probably not be at the venue and it'll be limited because we have a lot of people who come from overseas who may not be able to do that so and like in every industry that's a lot of job opportunities that are not there for people anymore and um, that's going to be that's going to be tough for some of the women that are out there some of the women who were really looking forward to uh, and i include myself in that now in the career of sports broadcasting what would be the impact of a pause or a break like the one we are seeing right now a lot of ways it can come down to if we take myself for example let's say it's been over 13 years uh, so there has been a little bit of time for me to kind of establish myself right so even if i never work again i might have still just created a little bit of a niche for myself and created that little bit of a reputation and said okay there was someone known as my auntie langa she used to do cricket she used to do football cool we remember her so someone like myself someone like i'm just going to say names usually i don't but you know someone like amandra bidi wanted to return to cricket tomorrow she could do it you know um but it's we're always going to move on from people like manti langar and mandra bedi and there's always going to be someone else who is going to take over eventually and if you're just starting if you're just starting to make a name for yourself uh it's very easy to be forgotten and that's the fear what if nothing happens for another year um there'll be new people by then yeah. that's just the, the way the game works for those who let's say there were a couple of you know young anchors this time it was going to be their first ipl experience uh in another year we don't know if the interest would still be there and that's very very tough to live with so how do you keep yourself relevant like you said a lot of people turn to social media during this time but then reality yeah. everyone's doing it everyone is doing instagram yeah. lives right yeah. now everyone's dancing on tiktok so that's the same thing now the challenge for someone like me is and especially uh, myself and my husband is that we are notoriously private people i don't think i put up any story on instagram also thus this day i'm pretty sure yeah. i've lost some 2k followers in the process <laughs> i think even more than that content content is you know so there are people like you who have the brains to think of okay let's do some new content and there are people like me who are like really i can't put up this chicken curry picture again yeah i just put it up some day so <laughs> just resort to throwbacks do you have any advice for women in broadcasting who are seeing this break in their career right now yeah it's it's a great question because i guess i'm experience a break later on in my career so maybe i'm not as panicked so your need is challenging but i don't think there is much else you can do because it's pretty much out of your hands and uh, the only thing that you can do is try and keep whatever little contact or in you know whatever little connections you had relevant and i think some people are still trying to do that so for example i know a lot of one of my friends and colleagues who new who know cricketers on a personal basis said okay let us start our weekly shows or our daily shows or something even if it's a 10 15 minute conversation it's still an attempt to do something it's better to try and do something rather than not anything at all one day cricket will return all this will come back you know you just have to think of it as hitting a bit of a pause button that's what we keep reminding ourselves that let's say we lose this year uh looking at a lifetime what would this year be you know for many recovery doesn't seem to be coming anytime soon ashu hardwani had profitably managed her beauty salon for the past 12 years when the lockdown hit she was forced to close shop how has she been keeping her family going financially what's next for her i spoke with ashu about returning to work in a new world now one of the things that we are doing now in this episode is we are trying to uh um sort of uh map how women are adjusting to life in the lockdown and how they are um you know finding ways to uh sort of make a livelihood in this period 
and when mamma told me she told me i saw get when i came back from i had gone to buy something she comes back she's saying hey, get gorgeous is open come come let's go let's go i mean the smell is amazing right now i have to tell you i walked in from outside and i was like um so um so now can you sorry can you because i guess initially we were this thing can you tell us how did you come across i mean these mangoes how did they come into the salon you have to tell this actually there is no there is no business in our native place kokon mangoes uh, there is lot of problem for selling mangoes because there is no export yeah the so supply chain supply, yes so for that my uh, relative my family members from the native place they said ki here such a big problem is there of the selling and all that so you can you please uh, take it to bombay and uh, sell it i said okay my salon is empty as it is there is no work in the salon so i can keep it and has that helped make some of the income uh, jo it, that, that was missing? not the actually that was not the cause ki i should earn it i should i have earned from my family native place i have done for them because they were suffering with this because every year they have lot of business of mangoes and this year no export and even you know this is because of the corona you cannot move out of the house so they could not do the business so tell us about your career actually tell us what were you what did you study for and then how many years have you been working and what were the jobs you were doing and everything so i am a become graduate hmm. and i finished with my all the beauty courses and opened the salon And how many years have you been running this salon for? This is now twelve uh, years. Twelve years. Yes. Oh wow! And what was business like? Like was it was it running comfortably? What was yes, your yes, 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 yes. It was running comfortably. I was really enjoying, and customers were happy with my services. Ah, uh, so okay. when this where were you when this lockdown started? I was here only in Mumbai. And then when did you hear about it? And what was your reaction to it? Like what did you think? कि एक दिन का जनता का फ्यू हो जाएगा and then. Uh, नहीं वो तो लगा क्योंकि करना तो चाहिए तो जैसे वायरस कंटीजियस वायरस है तो एक को दूसरे से दूसरे बढ़ते जाने वाले हाथ से पूरा वो हम लोग करते हैं काम तो वी आर टू क्लोज तो इससे अच्छा है की हर एक अपना ख्याल रखे हम लोग भी सलोन स्टार्ट करे तो अपना ख्याल रखे कैसे करना है हाइजीन कैसे मेंटेन करना है वायरस नहीं जाए एक दूसरे को कंटीजियस नहीं हो जाए वो सब हम लोग को केयर करना है और हर एक को करना है मास्क यूज करने का है सोशल डिस्टेंसिंग मेंटेन करने का है एंड यू टू वर्क ऑल्सो दिजनेस चेंज आई मीन इन दू एंड डाउन हो चुका ना रोलिंग बंद हो गई रोलिंग बंद हो गई घर का काम बढ़ गया नौकरानी को निकाल दिया वायरस नहीं बढ़े करके सर्वेंट्स को निकाल दिया तो घर का काम बढ़ गया और ये बिजनेस शट डाउन हो गया तो अभी ऐसे प्रे करते हैं कि जल्दी से जल्दी स्टार्ट हो जाए एवरीथिंग बिकम्स नॉर्मल यस यू आई हैव सीन यू गो थ्रू आई मीन आई हैव नॉट पर्सनली सीन यू गो थ्रू डिफिकल्ट टाइम्स बट आई हैव सीन दैट एवरी टाइम दैट यू हैव अ प्रॉब्लम दैट यू overcome it and uh, find a solution and find a solution as early as possible yeah as early as possible <laughs> that is very important <laughs> what made you like this see one one has to be like that see problems comes and they go also you should not make them hold you must always search for the solution and come up solve the problem there are some few problems which cannot be solved so leave it leave it on god i do that not to break head so much on that particular thing which cannot be solved jo achhi tarah milti hai thoda koshish karo solve karne ki aur mil jata hai solution har ek ko aur now i am habitual finding the solutions immediately is pe kya solution nikal sakta hai aur nikal jata hai jab tum socho to wo ho jata hai tum nikal jata hai solution to ho jata hai Are you feeling hopeful for uh, because the lockdown Future is ending? Yes. Yeah. Are you are you feeling hopeful? Yes. Yes, I feel. You feel like it'll be better than earlier. Until I start, I will not know. Also, what will be the position? What will be, what will be the situation? How I am able to handle the situation? What comes? Because as till as I have done, it will not be like this. Now, I have to do a little different style. I have to do a little different style. Yeah. Hygiene, on the other side. कंटीजिस की तरफ से सोशल डिस्टेंसेस ऑल दैट जो पहले कभी नहीं आया yeah. तो अभी थोड़ा 
सोच समझ के प्लान करके करना है बट आई आई एम श्योर की आई बी सक्सेसफुल इन दिस You know it's not all doom and gloom. Many of you responded to us with your thoughts about how to make the best of the current situation. In good news, I have started a new project of my own, which is my personal project. I'm already an artist management and I head the legal team, but this personal project is about the creators. It's called IPYs. Um in COVID, I have actually gained perseverance and faith. Uh, I've started therapy sessions as well. Covid has um impacted my work life like drastically. We had a month of absolutely no work and still had to pay um rent and salaries. Um but the next month we were like, you know, this is not the way we're going to do things. We are going to figure a way out of this. And so um we started doing deliveries and takeaways from our kitchen with a new fresh menu every week and it's doing so so well. Finding out that you're getting fired in the middle of a pandemic is terrifying. It's pretty much the worst case scenario. Not having a stable income comes with a whole lot of added stress. I'm lucky to have the privilege to put a positive spin on it and take some time off to rest and regroup. To be creatively agile in times like this rather than swim upstream, uh I would say has been my primary focus. And in times of change of such magnitude, uh the constant reminder to myself is i must continue making and i must continue creating and i've also learned that if you adapt and evolve perhaps things will not be as difficult as they looked when you started out coronavirus has forced many businesses to swiftly move to online models for solo entrepreneurs this shift can be incredibly intimidating Saiba Singh Dhupar is a professional coach and image consultant who tells us about the challenge of shifting online and discovering new levels of marriage equality while running her business from home. Christina spoke with Saiba to learn more. How have you adapted your business in the last uh, few months to the online medium? I don't even want to go back to the first one week where I went into <laughs> this self-inflicted melancholy and uh, I was in this gloomy state of mind in utter disappointment my level of motivation went downhill as well So the first one week yeah I was in a terrible state of mind However from the 1st of April I don't know what got into me and the first thing I did was yeah. I worked on my own upskilling that is to be able to conduct webinars to be able to conduct one-on-one consulting uh creating modules which can be imparted online with ease what are some of the opportunities you've seen for upskilling for other women you first need to be aware of what you need identification of your needs is uh is you know crucial at this point for example um in my field It's important for me to understand that how do I conduct a smooth webinar something that I have never done before and I've never used a laptop more than wanting to yeah. create a powerpoint presentation I upskilled myself in video making the moment the lockdown began Then where did you go to learn things like um how to be a better online trainer and how to learn video production where did you look If it's a skill that is uh dependent on my career deliverable I will look for accreditations, strong affiliations and certifications because that is going to establish my credibility. Mm-hmm. But when I'm upskilling myself on something which is helping me in the smooth functioning of my work, in that sense I'm extremely mm-hmm. organic. So when it came to video making, I you know watched a lot of videos, read some books, took help from contemporaries who are, you know, 5 6 years younger to me who are more adept in looking at your like uh the the videos that you post and the trainings that you do you know i see classes that are you know things like dinner etiquette i, I you know and classes that are english pronunciation classes um and things like that on on your feed and i'm imagining also for a lot of women who maybe come from backgrounds where you know like like if you're going to get a corporate job you you want to learn things like dinner etiquette maybe that wasn't in place at home or 
you know, for English pronunciation, you know, if you grew up in a house where, you know, people weren't English speakers you're, and you're learning things like, okay, if I'm in a corporate, you know, if I'm in a corporate environment now, I want to work on my English pronunciation. And I think that's super important work. Are you moving those online and how do you work with students? Are they one-on-one -on -one classes? What's, what's that So uh, people who seek personal focus and attention, I offer them one-on-one -on -one consultation. In fact, I don't even have to offer them many a time because they themselves ask for it. I've been, I've launched this Sahiba's virtual workshop series in this lockdown and also considering that it's the new normal. And do you find are, are many of the women that you're working with, maybe they weren't prepared to enter the workforce and you're working with them to get the confidence to be able to be out in the public sphere? Can you can you talk to me a bit about that? Um, certainly. When, you know, my clients do end up opening up to me, we understand that their unhealthy self-image or lack of self-worth could be a byproduct of uh, not very good role models or conditioning. And it's important mm -hmm. that we go back to, you know, to understand where all of this thought process that dwells in them stems from. So, yes, yeah. there is a strata, there is a percentage of women who have not been uh, bestowed upon with that kind of self-belief. However, there are other women who have had a fantastic upbringing, education, exposure, environment, something which is uh, highly liberating for them. However, it is the role model in the or the bitter experiences during the initial years of their work like a wrong boss or someone who's perpetually put them down is something that has deteriorated yeah. their self-belief system that they were born and brought up with that is even something that happens yeah. so a lot of your work is taking this this narrative right or this structure that a woman has of herself and helping her figure out how to get to that place, yeah, help her, helping her get to that place of greater confidence, greater ability to interact and engage with the outside world. And I imagine right now it's even more relevant because a lot of folks are facing situations, you know, where they're struggling. I would certainly say that, and I would be very assured of it when I say this, that yes, women have faced some sort of jolt we have understood gender roles and gender neutrality in a whole new different light post this lockdown in our country and mm, yeah. you know the yeah. fact that we Explain are applauding men and putting them on a pedestal to be helping out is uh, is very uncanny and I'm just waiting for the lockdown to get over for lives to start getting normal and see if this still persists if this still prevails. And at home, are you able to create that balance? Are you and your husband, your partner, yes. sort of sharing some of the load? I have found a chef and my husband. I've seen him creating Portuguese dishes, French dishes at home, and I would be working and he would prepare a nice dinner for both of us. Uh, and I've seen him being... Uh, self-reliant which he always was but now i'm doing i'm seeing that and witnessing that in the kitchen and that is something that i love because i realized that mm. for him it was about upskilling himself in something that he always admired and now he got a chance in time and he's turned out to be a master mm. chef indeed so yes he has also uh, <laughs> but he's be, but uh, honestly he's uh, we, we have a gender neutral marriage and I've been married for over 6 years and I'm absolutely proud to say this that I have a gender neutral marriage but when it mm. came to the the kitchen we were not gender neutral because I felt that he was a little mm. um, you know uh, culinarily handicapped but then he's proven me wrong and how did you how did you get to a gender neutral marriage when I got married I was 23 and uh, we decided uh, quite early on that, uh, you know, we would want to work and make something of ourselves before we create our little family. And one of the very uh, primary things that we had to work on for that is a conscious decision of providing the correct conditioning to our future offspring. 
and we knew that you can only mm. educate a generation when they see and learn and how do you create a gender yeah. gender neutral society or a gender neutral child is when that that he or she witnesses his parents doing the exact same things with the exact same accountability and zeal so if mom cooks dad cooks mom cleans almira mm. dad cleans almira almira uh, mama earns papa earns it's all equal there's no this is woman's job and this is man's job and that is how a child learns so our gender neutral marriage is a conscious decision mm. to train our future offspring towards being a gender neutral gentleman or gentle lady the vast majority of women are not in gender neutral marriages they're in marriages where household work is very divided and right now it's it's falling on women even more in so many households Do you ever does it ever come up in your training or your sessions on how to use this lockdown as an opportunity to redistribute some of that unpaid work? Yes, and and you can't be uh condescending, you know, you have to be respectful of because a lot of women actually don't even realize that there's an issue in this. That is what troubles me. So I don't have to convince a woman yeah. to be yeah. able to get through her husband or her family i have to first get through the woman herself and many a time i have not crossed that boundary to be very honest if that issue has come up to me i will welcome it with yeah. open arms and help her out but uh, i've been uh, i would say mm. that i've been very i feel very happy that most of the women that i have dealt with have had husbands who are helping around and when i say helping around because ideally they are incapacitated mm. to do a lot of things that women are taught to do so the only thing that i advise them is to make their husbands their spouses their life mm. partners their siblings realize their sons realize that we were also not taught this in our womb even we have acquired this skill we have not inherited it hmm. and as a human being we all are capacitated to acquire it yeah and now's the time to do so to actually make the rest of our lives better now that's an opportunity women in labor is made by christina mcgilvery laura quinn aditi mittal Manya Sachdeva, Sonakshi Chowdhury, Nandita Gupta, Sonali Thakkar, Ipti Patnaik, Rose Higgins, Porva Jassy, Regina Hawkins, Kashish Sethi, and Priyanka Verma. This podcast is generously supported by a grant from the American Center New Delhi. The opinions, findings, and conclusions stated are those of women in labor. and do not necessarily reflect those of the United States Department of State. For more information on the podcast, visit womeninlabor.com or search Women in Labor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.